welcome to Bookish Bitches. It's not your grandmother's book club. So grandma, if you are listening, please stop. (laughs) Um, I'm Megan. And I'm Lauren. And today we are going to be discussing the third book and in the A Court of Thorns and Roses series, which is called A Court of Wings and Ruin. My favorite book was the last book. No, that's a lie. It's the last one. Um, But this book is definitely the second favorite in the series for me. I don't know how it is with you, Lauren. But leaving off from the second book, Feyre is now like undercover in the Supreme Court. And there's a lot of different things she's doing with that. She's playing a double agent for Tamlin and Ianthe and also spying on Hybrid's forces to tell Rhysand because the mate bond, they can do that. Um, so basically throughout the book, they're just trying to come up with a plan to defeat Hybern and save humans and the face from basically becoming slaves to Hybern's forces. So I really like the book. I have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So I will say, um, first, I just want to preface, this is our first like episode of the podcast we have to do, you know, remotely. So if there's some issues bear with us um but yeah I would definitely agree because I haven't read the last book yet and I I still need to I have to actually get it but this one is definitely my favorite because so much happens in such like a few not a few pages but there's so much that happens there's always something happening so when you hit the end of the book you're like that's it but yeah but what about this but what about this but what about this so it wraps it up nicely but also makes you want more there's so much to talk about let's start off with the High Lady of the Night Corpet. Um, chef's kiss. <laughs> oh my God, chef's kiss. Um, I actually marked off in the book one of my favorite scenes throughout the entire series, which was when um, Cassian basically, not scolded Pharaoh, but he was like, as High Lady, you are mine. You are Azriel's and Moore's and Amran's. Basically like, you might be Rhysand's, but you belong to all of us. You are not yeah. allowed to play double agent in another court. <laughs> And I think it's really, Farrah really comes to, like, comes into the role in this book because we see her be badass. We see her be tough. Yeah. But in this book, she's like, I will do whatever it takes for my people, for my husband, for my friends. And that is all that matters to me. And I think that that's pretty high lady of her. I, I just loved the dynamic that has been created between her bond with uh, the Bat Boys, Cassian and Azriel, then we have Moore and Amran, um, and everyone in Valaris. It's such a like sibling bond at this point, and they they were pissed when basically Resam put her in danger. But it wasn't like he was wanting to. It was just they they were like, "Why did you not tell us? She's our high lady." Yeah, and also <laughs> can't even be there to protect her. The fact that they think that Resand really would have had a choice is funny to me. I know. He I love my favorite one of my favorite bits was when Cassie was basically like, he was like, Don't worry, me and Reese have, you know, exchanged words on about this. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, that's so cute. <laughs> Cause she's not used to having that, like, not repercussions, but she's not used to having somebody care if she's in danger or not. Yeah, I think it's I almost want to see more of that acknowledgement that like she went from having a family that didn't really care that much about her to having so many people who care so much and having to balance that because she does kind of reflect on that and she's aware of it but 
yeah. would love to see more of her going oh shit I have people who actually like I have to be accountable to because they will come looking for me basically like oh if I die this will affect people on yeah. the contrary but yeah uh damn it there's so much to talk about um Nesta and Nesta and Elaine okay in the last book they were thrown in the cauldron and I believe it was Azriel. yeah it was Azriel who winnowed them back to Valaris before Lucian could get to Elaine because they found out they were mates um there was so much shit happening at that last one <laughs> and now um in the beginning of the third book you know uh Farah, I forgot her name for a second. Farah, Lucian susses shit about Farah. Like he's just like, I want my mate, but you're related to her, and you're up, to, you're up to something. <laughs> you're up oh, to yeah. something. But I can't tell you what it is. Such a weird game in that, uh, because he's like, I have to stay on your good side because you're her sister, but yeah. also I know you're up to some shit. Like if they weren't related, I'm pretty like if she and Elaine and Nessa weren't related, and it was just him finding his mate. I'm pretty sure he would have called her out on so much shit. Oh, absolutely. So much His shit. mouth never would have shut. Oh my God, no. I love, I, Nesta and Elaine, even in this book, they, they have, they're like dealing with the fact that they're Faye now. Yeah. And Elaine is like going gorked because she realized, oh my God, I'm, my fiance hates Faye's and I'm a Faye now. <laughs> so you remember that you remember that yeah I was just thinking about that because like Elaine is supposed to marry a human who is his entire family basically has a fortress that is designed to keep the fae out because they hate them that much yeah it's so sad and like I don't like Elaine that much because she's just kind of there but it is so sad when she realizes that she will never have that life she'd been planning she's literally like ever since she was young like I don't think she knew her mother um and fair didn't know her mother that well either but um this is all she's known like she's pretty much already accepted the fact she will be marrying this boy who hates Faye's and now that she's a Faye and she's like trapped not trapped but she's in the night court now Ness is basically like a fucking Rottweiler like circling her protecting her from everybody even though she also has been doing some shit um i feel like trapped is actually like the appropriate yeah. word because they're trapped in bodies that don't belong that don't feel like they belong to them like i feel like you weren't trapped is an appropriate word actually because yeah. even if they did go back they it's not the same they wouldn't be welcomed back yeah no they would not be because it's, it's okay. a noticeable difference when you become a fae is this um, the one where we find out what happens to those uh humans that are like worship the fae when those twins come in from highburn yes okay i just because i was like those might be the only people who would welcome them but also the two twins from yeah. Hyburn destroyed human beings that were worshiping them so i don't even think that's a thing i forgot about the twins oh my yeah. god nesta I fucking them. murked them i mean not nesta uh pharaoh <laughs> pharaoh murked, murked the shit out of them <laughs> yeah oh my god uh i just I guess more of their trauma gets explained in the fifth book, which we'll talk about when you do read it. Yeah. Um, but they definitely, I think, adapted, pr- not pretty okay, but like they have already accepted 
the fact that they're fave and they're just dealing with it now and there's nothing you can do there's no potion there's no antidote you're done yeah like, i almost gotta, feel like you gotta adapt they towards the beginning of the book we see them more so still in shock about it mm-hmm. uh, but at the end you definitely see that they have come into it and i also really want to talk about nesta as a fae because as many issues as i have with her thus far mm-hmm. her as a fae she was fae people are scared of her yeah people are scared of her born to be a fae we know that we can yeah. automatically say that nesta was born to be something stronger than a fae because when the culture she, took her she took something back throughout the entire book she does not reveal what her power is because she's also kind of afraid of it herself because when she was in the cauldron in the second book and it gets more in the fifth book she talks more about like her experience of what happened in the cauldron itself and how it kind of talked back to her like and communicated so when when she keeps referencing to like does elaine have powers like me nobody knows what her powers are because she's not telling anybody jack shit until the end of the book when they're going against Hibern and Hibern is all like no Nesta I want it back give it back (laughs) she's like give it back yeah you know because they're he he even had like her dad like in a chokehold or a sordid throat you know I don't remember which way it was but like they were like Hibern was if you don't give me what you took from the cauldron I'm killing your father it was that important because they point to the sound of his neck snapping in the book and that being like the cat the uh catalyst for all of the girls i think well yeah that was definitely the catalyst um for nesta's trauma um but yeah nesta amran definitely took not took that's not the right word she definitely acclimated towards nesta and they definitely started having a bond because they're both scary bitches (laughs) And I think Amryn in herself probably has her own kind of trauma of being, because does she remember where she came from or is it just she knows she came from somewhere else? No, she doesn't remember where she came from. She, everybody just knows that she is something ungodly stuck in this human form. Or form. So they probably have that to bond on because not only do they both have this ultimate power that they have to deal with, but they're also in bodies that don't feel like their own. I know, but it's not different for Amarin, but Amarin grew up, I, I mean, we don't know how she grew up, but I'm assuming she is a whole other mystical being, so I guess being thrown into another mystical being's body is the same thing, but for Nesta, she was just like plain yeah. old bitchy in a cabin. <laughs> I actually want to talk about, because I, this is one of the points where I kind of have questions about why, because we know that Elaine is a seer we figure that out in this book um i don't like that by the way i don't get it no i i'm so scared i'm still scared i'm actually getting anxiety talking about it because i'm so scared ever since she made that stupid ass comment where cassian's like it'll take more to kill me and she's like no it won't i'm so scared (laughs) i'm so scared um and i know sarah and I, I love her, but fuck, man, she kills main characters, and I'm scared. <laughs> but that's the thing is, like, I don't really get what? why Elaine was made to be the seer. Like, what? Why is she a seer? There's literally no fucking reason she, at all. Nesta has the power she has because she's Nesta. She's fiery. She's she's angry. She has she's a lot stoned. going on inside she, of her. Yeah. yeah. 
Elaine being a seer is just kind of like, well, she's there and we need her for something here. Because she, I guess maybe the way she could kind of see how Nesta felt and see how Farah felt and interpret that could be used as a reason. But on the whole, I don't really understand why she was selected for that. Did we talk about what happens at the end of Crescent City 2? Did I already spoil that for you? No. Okay, then I can't talk about this. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, you're fine. I, You haven't been spoiled by anything for Crescent City 2, right? I haven't been spoiled anything on Crescent City. I kind of don't even know what it's about. And that's intentional. Talk so when me. I go to read it, I'm fine. <laughs> Fuck me. All right. Um, we should, for let's, let's put a pin in the Elaine as a seer. Okay. Let's put a pin in this conversation for... I guess when you read Crescent City, at least when you start Crescent City or end the second book, we'll put a pin. Yeah, we'll put a pin in this conversation because I just don't want to be that person that spoils shit. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we can't talk about Lucian and Elaine as mates because that makes jack squat sense. (laughs) And I know, okay. And I hate even saying it because it. This shouldn't even be an option. <laughs> it's very clearly, it clearly serves a purpose to create conflict. But I just want Lucian to be happy. And I want Elaine, yeah. as much as I don't really care about her, to just be happy. Because the two of them just not liking, well, Lucian trying to like Elaine and have her like him back is so painful to watch. It's like watching, it's so, see, we read, I read tons of romance books that are like standalones where the guy pines after the girl and it ends up well, but I don't want that situation to be what happens here because I think the cauldron made a mistake. And I will say this because it's not a spoiler because at some point in the book, in either this book or the, yeah, this book, the cauldron like purred in Elaine's presence and talked to her. Yeah. I think the cauldron has a wee little crush on flower chick lane (laughs) and said let me set you up with a shitty mate i think maybe because the cauldron we know is a sentient being yes i'm almost wondering if the cauldron did not like being abused like that so because lucian was on tamlin's side and helped all this come to fruition he said oh you're gonna or the cauldron said you're gonna use me for this well, Elaine, she's pretty. I like her. And I'm going to set this up so you have to be punished forever. You know, I, I act, okay, let's talk about, I know, I know we still have a ton to talk about, but one thing I think about Elaine, you know, it's always the quiet ones. You know what I'm talking? No, don't, 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 don't. No, I, know it, I know where this is going. That's why I laugh. I, it's always the quiet ones. I think this might be a villain arc. I think. I would kind of love got, to see it though. I, you know, as much as I would hate to see it because I'm scared of Cassian and I hate the fact that she said that bullshit. Um, notice my voice getting deeper. <laughs> I love my bat boy. Um, if she had a villain arc, Cassian would definitely die. Yeah. He let's, would. He would die. Let, let's talk about that further. Because I feel like if, if Elaine became a villain, the only person I think that would actually be safe is Nesta. I don't know. If she killed if she killed Cassian, I don't think she gave a fuck about the sister. But that's what I'm saying. Like, in theory, removing the the no no, it's not to Cassian. 
If Elaine became a villain, Nesta, who has always looked out for her, taking care of her, would definitely be safe from her. Unless Nesta Farrah, turns on. I feel like Farah would too, because Net, like Farah Fetter, <laughs> like she Farrah, painted, she painted the um her dresser. She, although Farah didn't, mm, Farah didn't relate to her sisters that well either. That's what I'm okay. saying. Like we know that Elaine and Nesta were always very close. Farah mm-hmm. took care of them, but she was never like their go-to best friend yeah and you definitely see the nesta and elaine bond in this book yeah. when Feyre returns um sees her sisters for the first time as Faye, and basically nesta is a feral not animal per se but you know she's like no one's seen elaine fuck off get away from her no yeah. one's doing anything you already took too much get away get away stuck in the house the river house storyline where elaine becomes a villain i feel like nesta would be either her redemption or nesta dying would be the catalyst oh my god i hate sarah but you know what i mean like those are the only two options because nesta may not be very strictly moral she survives that's more of her thing as she makes sure that herself and the people she care about they survive there's no way in hell nesta's gonna let elaine become a, a villain if it's up to her because she that's not elaine it's not who she has been growing up it wouldn't align and even the nesta would be like yes you know live your free life queen she probably wouldn't support elaine going out and killing people i don't know that lauren because like at the end of the fifth book i'm not spoiling a lot something happens between her and asriel and asriel does something with another person and elaine doesn't know about it because the book ended but I feel like if she is tipped into being a villain, I think Azrael would definitely be a part of it. I could see that. And even in that context, I feel like Nessa would be like, get your revenge. But if it continued past there, that's where she'd step in. Because we all know Elena's sweet flowers and roses and butterflies. Mm-hmm. Nesta sees her as that too. And she's always tried to shelter Elaine from the horrors of the world. I don't think she would want Elaine to become the horrors of the world. I know. Although I do love the aesthetic of Flower Girl turns into Dark Villain so much. It would I be really so love, funny. I love that aesthetic so much. Just keep it away from this series. Yeah. <laughs> keep it away. I will read the shit out of like a Persephone and Hades book. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not it here. It would be so interesting to read, but it would also be like, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. I feel like it would just, this series would go on for like 10 books if that happened. Yeah. And it's already hitting that point where nah, I can't say more. Um, <laughs> I was like really choosing my words wisely. Um, but yeah, let, 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 let's keep an eye out for Elaine because she's sus as shit, man. And the, also quickly touching on the seer thing, the fact that she could see things that other people can't would give her an advantage as a villain. I know, but it was taken away. Her powers are gone now from the cold night. Are they? I feel like they I, that they're gone now. Something happened. They like, I can't remember what it was, but I don't think she has her powers anymore. It was not touched on at all in the fifth book. Yeah, I don't think it was talked about in Frost and Starlight either. Yeah, I think her powers like had an expiration date of some sort. When she killed Hyber, maybe. I think maybe. Potentially. Potentially. Also, I forgot about that. 
that the cauldron was being used during the war, something might have happened there. I just can't remember if there was. I can't remember why. Nesta definitely had her power still, but Elaine, I feel, I can't remember. I have to reread the series, but there definitely was a conversation where I think she just didn't have it anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because she was reading into the queens that betrayed them and the meeting with the high lords and that it was just done. Like, there's no more talking for being a seer. I have a question about that that section of the book which one uh when they're meeting with the queens and more steps forward and is like i'm morrigan whatever their last name is mm-hmm. i think that was in the second book no that was in the third was in the- i think that was second book because in the third book it established the queens betrayed them when oh yeah yeah, yeah. It went to the cauldron and everything happened it was that it was definitely in the second book i think that happened i do still have a question about it though because it's yeah, something yeah. i when i was reading it, i didn't really understand what what was so significant about more the truth thing she did i didn't really get it do you know what i'm talking about though yeah morgan definitely has very special powers i think one of them and i could totally be wrong because i'm still like just trying to remember as much as possible i think definitely one of them was oh wait that'd be so i'll talk about that uh (laughs) I just made a like relationship thing um but I think she could detect truth and lie mm-hmm. not probably like a human lie detector but something along those lines which is really cute because Azrael has a blade um that says something along the lines of like truth sake like truth something yeah that's cute actually <laughs> um too bad they don't get together <laughs> 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 but i'll get back to you on that i'll probably just text you about it because okay. i'll find i'll find out because get- i remember reading it and being like this is cool but i kind of don't understand what's happening <laughs> yeah i definitely want to re- i'm just going to reread all the books like i can't do throne of glass again that's so much heartbreak um but i just ju- I, I want when i'm going to be starting it soon girl it's not bad in the first one, uh, two books. Nope, one book. <laughs> one book. You get one book. Cool. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> you get one book. <laughs> you get the first one. Not the prequel book either. So don't include that because if we're just going to say that, then zero books. <laughs> great. It's going to be good. It. It's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Well, speaking um, of heartbreak, oh, talk about the dad coming back. <laughs> I actually made another on the book. <laughs> so but it, I labeled it um, "Daddy Redemption." <laughs> while you're <laughs> flipping that open, um, <laughs> I was so proud of their father for finally picking his ass up and doing something, and so angry when he Me immediately for died. Sake. <laughs> <laughs> I, like here, I got the I got the passage when he comes in with the the ships. Um, so I'll, I'll read it. Re- it's not long. It's really quick. Uh, the ships at the front of the human armada became clear, along with the gold lettering on their sides. He named his three personal ships after them, After them, Dracon said with a smile. And there, sailing at the front, I beheld the names of those ships, the Feyre, the Elaine, and leading the charge against Hybern, flying over the waves, unyielding and without an ounce of fear, the Nesta, with, with my father, our father at the helm okay 
I need like a little baby spinoff where we get some of what the dad was doing, yeah. how he convinced them to come, like all of that and how he found them. How because the prince so merchants had a comeback. Yeah. There's so much there that like if Sarah said, oh, I'm dropping a book about like his life before and his life during this time, mm-hmm. I'd read it. It's not Dude. really what we are used to, but I definitely read it because I'm very curious. There are so many tiny see and sarah this isn't like something new for sarah because in the throne of glass series she did a prequel about um selena and sam which was a whole prequel for the entire book series and you don't even get it till after the second book Mm -hmm. um so prequels and like side stories are her thing because that entire prequel story was made up of four separate short stories that all came together and then we also have in the Agatar series the um novella uh frost and starlight so this definitely isn't like something out of sarah's ballpark that she could do because she could do the father story mm-hmm. she could do uh jurian and, and vasa yes she, i'd read the shit out of that um she could do early stories of resan and uh cassian and Azrael when they were training the Lyrian camp I would love to see a story of Rhysand's parents and then yeah, them. His sister. Yeah, him and his sister when they're young. There's so many theories that Azrael and his sister were mates that just didn't have enough time, mm-hmm. which is so cute, but I can't really give enough heart to that because she's dead. Yeah, we also, do we even know her name or? No. Yeah, so. You don't know her name. Same thing like in the Throne of Glass series, you won't know the king's name. And I don't think Hybern was, oh, wait, that's a whole other thing. I got to make a side comment and talk about that when you read those laws. <laughs> yeah, um... so much knowledge. <laughs> the tables have turned, Lauren. <laughs> this isn't <some> college. <laughs> I love you. Um, okay, I love the fact that with this clip that I just read out, it goes from the Pharah the lane and he chose the nesta to be leading the charge at the helm and you know that's not even like a oh she's my oldest daughter it's she's a fighter yeah like pharah is a fighter and a provider and uh everyone comes before me nesta is get out of my way or get like get whacked like there's no and i love the way sarah wrote it saying flying over the waves unyielding and without an ounce of fear because that's nesta in a fucking nutshell yeah like I love that he chose the Nesta to be the charge against Hybern's forces. And this was like a last ditch effort to like, I guess reclaim some form of like validation that I was there for my kids at the end of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause he wasn't there for most of it. And at the end when it really counted, when it really counted, it, it worked out great. I as you giggled I'm looking to see oh I see (laughs) I was trying to see if anyone made um drawings of the ships as what they thought because I don't think the ships would have all been the same here wait look it up look it up that's what I was trying to look up and it wasn't coming up um look up the um a core of wings and ruin ship fan like the um I gotta move our heads because it's in the way of my search bar uh merchant prince fan art Okay, I'll do that. Maybe that'll work. Maybe that'll work. 
Um, but definitely that redemption. And of course, sadly, at the end of the book, the father dies because Hybern's like, all right, you're not giving me what I want. All right, I'll take something you want. Um, bitch. <laughs> oh, and can we talk about the fact that when Nesta saw the Armada and saw her dad, she was like, use me as bait to like get the king. Yeah. From beside the cauldron. Can we talk about that? Because I feel like at that moment, she definitely was like, okay, I can actually have like my father back. Because her whole thing was she was pissed at her dad because he wasn't providing for the family. And when he did finally show up, I think she was relieved and then it was taken away from her. And I definitely. Yeah. <sighs> I think her especially saying, you know, use me as bait was my I, nesta is always brave but in her own ways and i think seeing her father do that like basically what she wanted him to do the whole time was i don't want to say man up but like that's probably how she would have phrased it um yeah and like basically do what you're supposed to do i think that gave her the idea and the confidence to be like use me as bait this will work i have a plan okay one thing I definitely want to talk about that I thought was super, super cute with Rhysand and Feyre's, like, mateship. Yeah. Um, the fact that they brought both, they both brought a big-ass monster to the fight against Hybrid, <laughs> yeah. and then they're like, did you bring the weaver? Did you bring the bone carver? <laughs> I also love, like, the energy of, like, what were you thinking? This is such a good idea. Jeez. Why didn't we collaborate? Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I cutest thing ever and they're like mine's bigger <laughs> and then the weaver and the bone carver they're brother and sister aren't they yeah which oh does, do both of them die or does only one die and the weaver dies i think the bone carver i think the bone carver survives the weaver definitely got ripped into yeah which but like, not before killing a good bit yeah their reunion and then being like all right let's destroy some bitches like that yeah even though they're both monstrous creatures, I thought that was really cute in its weirdest way. It was adorable. Uh, there's so many adorable clips. Okay. If we're going to talk about adorable clips, we need to talk about my favorite bit in this entire fucking book. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get back to the, the not the script, but I definitely go off it. When I think this stuff. It's just a list to make sure we hit what we want. It's not nothing that... My favorite uh part of this book was when uh Feyre and Lucian are running away from the spring court and they're running away from the autumn court because they had to go through there before they get to the night court my favorite bit was the battle on the uh, frozen lake and all of a sudden like it was all lost basically they're like Lane not Lane uh, Feyre and Lucian were like fuck what do we do and then all of a sudden, a shadow slammed into the earth. <laughs> and Daddy Cassian and Asriel are here like, are you fucking with our high lady? <laughs> you know for a fact they were waiting. They were like, the second yeah. she crosses that border, it's done. Uh, Yeah. And Cassian was like, I suggest you drop my lady. And I was like, I'm going to drop my panties. <laughs> 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 I still got a little bit of like flu cough and kind of laugh. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, so yeah. I want to talk about, um, <laughs> in that similar vein, the escape of like Feyre and Lucian 
because let's be real wasn't really expecting her to bring him along i was after the fact that ianthi was basically trying to proposition him and rape him <laughs> yeah but like if you, <laughs> I knew if that you was told me no context beginning her plotting and sabotaging to just jump straight no context in there so <sighs> brought lucian with him with her knowing lucian at the end of this book and how their relationship is in frost and starlight i'm like yeah that makes sense but at the time it was like lucian stabbed her in the back and all this stuff but we also know that he just doesn't have a place and he was trying to which is why he went along with tamlin's plans i think he definitely had a lot of character development from the first book second book where he was basically like when he came across fair in the forest and was like trying to steal her away back to the screen court all the way to this bit i i kind of i kind of did have a funny feeling she was going to take him along with him only because elaine is his mate and i would be doing anything to get back to her so i'd be sticking with the one that's trying to go to her (laughs) instead of tamlin making empty promises saying we're gonna get her don't worry 50 years i also like that i think it's in this book that they talk about it but the discussion of like why lucian is so estranged from his brothers other than just them being dicks but like the romance he had with someone who they considered a commoner um and i think that just developed more of his like oh i'm not just sarcastic and witty i have a soul and i've been in love and had my heart broken and it's like okay now i under i kind of understand why he's so desperate to get back to the person that's supposed to be his mate i mean if we're gonna talk about that let's talk about the fact about who his real father is (laughs) oh we cannot okay okay we mean we cannot (laughs) no no no, i was gonna say we cannot forget that um oh no oh don't you worry i am not ever we gotta talk about that context though (laughs) of the meeting of the high lords okay let's get to that then. because th- we're gonna skip some stuff around but it's fine um yeah we'll, actually we'll we kind of touched on this we, we, oh we definitely that. touched on the dad's return and vaguely touched a little bit on Farrah's time in the spring court honestly to sum that one up she was a bad bitch totally cool she basically like unraveled everybody and you could tell she changed when she went to Resan's court yeah she got the confidence to do yeah. all that stuff which is good because Tamlin wasn't going to support her and help her mentally recover. I mean, Um, she didn't spend that much time in the spring court in the beginning of the book. It lasted for like 50 pages. And then it was the adventure of getting out of the spring court, out of the autumn court. And then it was one after the other, everything, everything was going on. I think it's really interesting because it feels longer than 50 pages because of the way it's written, which is like not in a bad way, but Sarah without saying so much gives us a lot yeah but yeah yeah, let's get to the meeting of the high lords because this this whole meeting is such a thing the Um, meeting of the high lords took place in chapter 45 so much happened before chapter 45 i thought the meeting take took place like earlier in the book and then i was like wait a second this is like a good three-fourths into the book yeah where everybody and then everything started happening with the war against hybern because everybody was like all right let's do this let's get going yeah the meeting of the high lords <laughs> oh my god <laughs> first off i want to duly note and i don't think there's an ugly high lord except baron <laughs> and Tamlin. yeah Callias. Mm. <laughs> i frosty the snowman <laughs> love the fact that sarah j mass was like 
these are not humans they are high fey they will look how i fucking want them to look exactly like a black man with white jet white hair or i guess stark white was african-american with white hair uh Calias was albino with white hair yeah um baron was an old fucktard i mean you could yeah red ginger fucktard yeah whatever um and then what did helium look like because we got to talk about him helium was a fine six foot five african-american man with some nice cornrows <laughs> oh yeah built ready to go <laughs> so we'll talk we'll talk about helium first because you know that's oh, kind of from our last point God. so I we love helium we stand helium we fucking stand Helian. and Calias is mate uh yeah. vivianne stand her she's like why can't i be a high lady their relationship is just so cute i can't i would not be surprised if she became high lady at some point the next time they meet he's <laughs> sitting there like look what you did to me look at what you did look what you started yeah <laughs> i uh, didn't hear about this bullshit for five months <laughs> yeah every night why can't i be high lady <laughs> no she you know, I, he definitely got like a carrier pigeon saying fuck you <laughs> you cannot tell me though that it wasn't she would lay down at night go good night high lord and then look at him with the biggest eyes like say it back to me <laughs> <laughs> good night my lady mm, not getting up <laughs> eh, we'll try again tomorrow <laughs> what's the opposite of low man <laughs> <laughs> like dropping all the goofiest hints because she's so sweet so sweet um yeah, Kier and Baron were just bitches in this meeting. Oh, yeah. Well, we were expected like, them to be. Yeah, especially because they just got duped with the frozen lake and everything that happened yeah. with that. But Tamlin. <laughs> Tamlin was so out of pocket, not even like in a funny way. He was just doing way too much. Tamlin came in unhinged, okay? He came in unhinged because this all is after... Not even that much later after um, their escape from the spring court. And Tam was like, what the fuck happened? And then he sees her in yeah. her in her black getup and um, high lady of the fucking night court. Yeah. <laughs> News to who? <laughs> oh, what is the meme? It's the, the crazy obsessed girlfriend. Do you remember that meme? Where it's her oh. like with the big eyes. That's what Tamla reminded me of in this scene. He didn't even know she was high lady until he made that comment that said, um, when you fuck her, have you ever noticed that little noise she makes right before she climaxes? And Asriel, which was also one of my favorite bits, was like, be careful how you speak to my high lady. Tamlin literally, like, surprised flash in his eyes. And he was like, it wasn't enough to sit at my side, was it? I was like, what do you mean, was it? (laughs) No, bitch. It wasn't enough to sit at my side. Why? Because my trauma flashbacks, you know. Let's reverse the gender stereo and have you sit at her side. Yeah. And then come talk to us. (laughs) And also, he wasn't even sitting at her side. He she was being treated like a dog, like locked up in the room. Still hate that. Ah, Jesus Christ! There's so much that happened with this meeting because everybody was trying to convince the other high lords that. Hybrid's coming. We need we need to attack now. And Tamlin's over here under the uh, notion that everyone believes he is working with Hybern because he was working with Hybern. Yeah. He literally let him in through the fucking front door to get Feyre back. 
Yeah, and then threw everybody the door in the and laid the carpet out for him. Like, yeah. And he's acting here like everybody, don't believe what you heard. I'm like, yeah, no, believe it. Don't believe what you heard. We didn't say anything yet, Tamlin. What do you mean what they heard? Yeah. Honest to God. It was so fucking annoying how he was like playing the victim. That's Tamlin's whole thing, though. He plays the victim and then does like one redeeming thing and is like, I am saved. It's like, no, you're not, sweetie. You're really not. Swear to God. And then throughout the meeting, at one point, um, <laughs> at one point, Pharaoh like started putting two and two together. And because, um, well, because, well, for, for that happened, um, Baron made some snide ass comments toward Reese went from his time under the mountain. Mm-hmm. And Feyre, being the queen herself, decided to use her power on him. So that's when it was revealed to everybody that she has a snippet of every High Lord's power. Yeah. Baron hated that shit. Of course he did, because he's, oh God, he's just such a, he's someone that if you were like, are you an alpha or a beta? He'd be like, I'm an alpha. And that's how you know he's a beta. And Helium was like, I wondered where that went. (laughs) Helium was like casual. Helium was like, no wonder you made her her highly. <laughs> and I what, was like, damn what right. Was Helium's power that was given to Pharaoh. Um, Helium, he he was day. What was he day? Yeah, I think he's day court. I just can't remember how yeah, that manifested. He was day court. Baron was fire. She used her fire on Baron. Yeah. I can't remember what bit. She doesn't use all the powers at all. We don't know what all her powers are. Okay. She doesn't use all of it because I mean, I'm assu- we can just only assume because, like, uh, with the winter court, we can assume she has some form of winter power, yeah. Uh, do- no, that's is Dawn. She doesn't use all her powers, actually. That's very interesting because we she's kind of an anomaly, we don't know, yeah. Because I'm curious to see what that looks like for day and dawn because night we kind of have an idea of how that would look. Um, yeah, Helium described losing the power like a scale taken off a fish it's so small but you still know and everybody was so confused so if he noticed everybody else had to notice yeah but um after that and i'm trying to find the little bit here because i love the mate bond where they can talk without you know saying anything (laughs) at some point recent she made the connection between helion and lucian being related like she made that connection somehow and I can't remember how, but Reese was like, whatever you just realized, get that shocked look off your face. <laughs> it was some kind of, it was related to Lucian's mom. She, yeah. I don't know if she got it out of someone's thoughts, but she realized that she was, I think she, uh, Lucian's mom was there. Um, yeah. And she saw Lucian's mom was like, oh, Lucian looks a lot like her mom but nothing like Baron or her and not that much like his brothers and I think she kind of gathered some information about uh Helian and I cannot remember the lady uh the autumn late the lady of the autumn court's name I don't even know if we know it but she like kind of started to do some math in her head and was like Lucian looks tanner than his other brothers I found it I found in the book just here um here, let me. I'm just gonna read out loud for a second and see okay. what happens. Uh, Baron is a high lord, and she is his wife, mother of his brood. She chose to say, chose, and with the protocols and rules, lady, 
you will find that most situations like the one you're in do not end well for those who interfere. I didn't back down, didn't apologize. You barely even looked at her today. Okay, so she's talking to Baron. Uh, We have more important matters at hand. Baron never called you out for it. To publicly do so would be to admit that his possession made a fool him. Oh, wait, she's talking to Helian because Helian's like, she chose to say. To publicly do so would be to admit that his possession made a fool of him. So we continue our little dance these centuries later. I somehow doubted that beneath that roguish charm and invariance, Helian felt it was a dance at all. But it had ended centuries ago and she never seen him again, had let Baron treat her so abominably. Whatever you figured out, Reese said, you better stop looking so shocked by it. <laughs> Got you. Okay. Okay. So, oh, I see it. It was a page beforehand. Uh, healing loud, dark laugh, cauldron. No, there was enough wry knowing humor that I strand. You had an affair after you rescued her. Okay. So he fully was like, yeah, I had an affair with that bitch yeah okay so got it. that was it that was um it. okay but yeah so i think that's also interesting because helian is what we would call african-american therefore yes. lucian is mixed yeah but he's just light enough that he's white passing which is i think without intentionally being a really interesting like thing to discuss sarah made it one um especially because it's not very common it's possible it's not like impossible it's not very common for mixed kids to have red hair yeah it's not common at all although this is a fey world <laughs> yeah so i'm yeah. wondering how much of that she considered in doing so because we also have dark-skinned people with bright white hair which the thing is that africans aren't uncommon but white. He, yeah yeah but the thing is helian doesn't know that lucian is his kid he's the sole heir to the day court i hope that gets resolved because that needs to get resolved. Baron's and, not a good father anyway. And he's like that six rate, sons. So Helian's about to be killed off. Yeah. Helian's gonna get killed off in one of these books because he's the sole heir to Helian's court. Sarah can't leave that untouched. No, it, it <laughs> would be too much of a point to be left alone. Sherry hates father-son relationships. You'll read you'll read about that in Throne of Glass. So I'm betting Helian gets killed off. I also wish, I like, I want Feyre to play a little bit of like, I know what you don't. And like have, for some situation, have Lucian go as an em- at a, as an emissary to the day court and be in like, spend some time with your dad who you don't know is your dad, like doing stuff like that because you know she would. Dude, it's so sad. The story between Helian and his, and, uh, his mate, it's so sad because he's like, I, he truly believes that she's happier without him and he thinks he's unworthy of her it's so sad yeah which by comparison i feel like it's a pretty uh obvious that she's not with someone who's better for her because let's be real there has never been a moment that baron has been a good person yeah and he's never been loving either Uh, on the last bit i did love talking about i would love to talk about more coming out to pharaoh yes 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 so fun fact this book because of this scene almost made it into my senior thesis yeah because as you know my senior thesis was on portrayals of the lgbtq plus community in modern books versus uh i guess early modern books um i remember this thesis yeah so this scene was actually the whole reason i did my thesis 
because of the way it's handled i was like this is something i want to talk about i want to look at it in other books um i i will admit i don't remember as much i just remember it happening i remember the discussion of moore's hypersexuality um towards men as a way of compensating for the fact that she's not that attracted to them anyway um and favor somewhere along the lines of like well who are you attracted to and more kind of being like i think you can figure that out sweetie something like that happening um and she talks about how she's so jealous of it's two high fae that are definitely older than her that are a couple and they're both female um and she talks about wanting something like that but being afraid that because her father exists and because the court of nightmares exists that she'll never have that i know it i can't even really blame her that much she literally lost her virginity to cassian only because she did she she didn't want to be sold as like a brood mare i i actually respect the shit out of that because cassian had like he knew exactly what was up he was like yeah let's let's bang this out like quite literally so you don't have to yeah go marry it was, fucking... it was a strategic choice she was never attracted yeah. to cassian like that no no eris and I guess there's something else to talk about. The whole thing when Eris found out was everyone's pissed at Eris because apparently he like nailed a, a vulgar slur paper onto her stomach and nailed it into it and was left for dead. I don't know if it was actually Eris. I feel like it wasn't because he still has some amount of respect for more. Yeah, he's obviously a douchebag um, and he does not try to hide that. Yeah. But that cruelty sounds more like her father or his father. I would rather, I would actually assume it was Baron or her father. I would yeah. assume. We've seen how both of them have acted throughout these books. Yeah. The one the interaction we had with her father was, he, he's a piece of shit. And I would be yeah. pretty easy for her father or Baron to be like, oh, you know, boys will be boys they did this terrible thing because the deal was go- no Eris has not proven himself to be that kind of person yeah I mean don't get me wrong he definitely is not a villain per se but he's a morally gray character throughout he's, these books yeah he's vested in his own self-interest and that's more of his thing yeah we do see him making diplomatic decisions throughout these books because he will be the heir to the autumn court. So he's making all these decisions to help gain more resources. And you, you'll see this in the fifth book as well um, when he starts bargaining with the night court on different stuff. But I just don't see this level of violence coming from him towards more. And then there's so many theories I've read where people think more because she was um bisexual or she's bisexual isn't she or is I she think so I think she she is she's either uh, she's either in a woman or both I can't remember yeah. I think um, she says she's more attracted to women I think she says yes. boys are more playthings. um there are theories that say she, like recognizes like and people think that Eris is gay and the only way he would show this amount of violence was to shut her up. I just don't see that happening. I say in theory like that could work but at the same time we've seen that he is too smart to risk power like that. Um, yeah. And say if 
her father had taken this as an so say if it was him if it was Eris if her father had taken this as an insult enough between her father and Reese the autumn court would have gotten decimated yeah there would have been no way that Eris would have come into power so I don't think that he would do something like this because that jeopardizes his position in the future yeah I just I'd love to see a short story on Eris I would like to see more about the other brothers because I don't know if their cruelty is like I don't know where they stand in cruelty because Eris is we all know Kira's a piece of shit well Eris we know is like he does what needs to be done to keep his position yeah the other brothers I don't know if they do it because they enjoy it or if they're trying to survive the way he is or if they just want to make daddy happy or like what's going on because they're not going to be heirs well, the whole thing motives. the whole thing is their entire motive for their violence is because the, they are the heirs to the autumn court so they're fighting for the throne gotcha okay yeah that's their whole thing so all of the see that's why lucian left because he didn't want to keep doing this fight this yeah. stupid fight that's why he left initially or it was part of the reason why because they're all fighting for when his father dies to become the next High Lord of the Autumn Court. I wonder how that's decided. Because you, if you just kill each other, then the Autumn Court line dies if none of you have children. I'm pretty sure Baron will write in a will of some sort. Probably. So that might be then an example or reason. You yeah. know, if he encourages violence, then they'll be violent to impress him. Yeah. Overall, I love the fuck out of this book. I love the sh- I love the series. So this book did not disappoint for me. I give it a good 505. Oh yeah. This was definitely one of the end battle was probably one of the best written war scene like war scenes I've ever read. Um, it was so well written. Yeah, and it's it has fantastic pacing. It's not too long, it's not too over descriptive. It does just enough that you could picture it and you understand what's happening, but it also has like those punches of like the dad returns and then he dies and then uh hybrids yeah. using the cauldron like a shotgun like all this cool stuff happening and i think it's perfectly written so yeah five out of five i mean i feel like that was kind of a given by the way i was talking all about right. it but i got passionate earlier i was like if casting dies i'm done <laughs> no more no more <laughs> i already know that for a fact if he dies you're gonna lose it i'm gonna lose my shit and i will probably have to spoil it for you when that happens because i'll be left alone and <laughs> not be good i'm gonna get um, a phone call of you crying because he died in the book <laughs> i'm like what's going on i'm at work what's up <laughs> you're gonna have to take a moment like hey man i gotta go on break uh, <laughs> you watch the shop i gotta go downstairs real quick <laughs> but yeah it was a great book i loved it say so if if this could be read as like the first book i'd be like read this first because the first one I personally was like, what the hell is happening? Um, oh, Red yeah. Flag City. But this one definitely is like, if you're struggling through the first two, the second one you shouldn't struggle to, through. But if you are, this is like where you're trying to get to. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, great book. You guys should definitely read it. There we go. All right. And then, so the next episode we're going to talk about is a. Uh, and then there were none by Agatha Christie. We have an oldie but a goodie. I got Megan good. to read this recently, so I'm excited to talk about it and see how much I remember from the first and second time I've read it. Oh yeah, I enjoyed it. But yeah, 
All right, guys, we'll see you later. Bye.